Welcome to Sunday Showcase. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Teleconferenced together from distant locations on planet Earth, you're listening to Project Audion. Hello, I'm Larry Groby with the Generic Radio Workshop. And I want to talk for a moment about things that fire our imagination. Well, there's radio, of course. That's known as the theater of the mind. And there's science fiction, which is literature of the imagination. And then there is, up behind me, the moon, which has inspired dreamers since the dawn of mankind. You put those three things together, and in 1950, you got Dimension X. Dimension X took classic stories from great early sci-fi authors and dramatized them. Nowadays, they sound a bit quaint, but that's the thing about imagining. It's a moving target. When author Robert Heinlein penned the original version of Requiem in 1940, it took great imagination to envision how we might even think about being driven to reach the moon. Because back then, if people thought of space travel at all, they dismissed it as some silly Buck Rogers fantasy. By the time Dimension X adapted Requiem in 1951, Heinlein's dreams of scientific progress seemed much closer, just out of reach. His rocket science now looks primitive, but this kind of imagination drove other dreamers to take the next step. And we shouldn't laugh at the dreams that used to be. After all, they got us to the moon. Instead, we should imagine where they might land us next. Adventures in Time and Space Transcribed in Future Tense Dimension X The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, Publishers of Astounding Science Fiction brings you Dimension X. High on a hill in Samoa, there's a grave. Inscribed on the marker are these words. Under the wide and starry sky, dig my grave and let me lie. Gladly did I live and gladly die, and I lay me down with a will. This be the verse you grave for me. Here he lies where he longed to be. Home is the sailor, home from the sea, and the hunter, home from the hill. These lines appear another place, scrawled on a shipping tag from a compressed air container and pinned to the ground with a knife. It wasn't much of a fair as fairs go. 
The trotting races wouldn't be held till eight o'clock at night. The flags and bunting drooped in the gray afternoon and the pitchmen seemed discouraged. A large black cabriolet limousine stood at the side of the road, 32 cylinders purring quietly. And over the dust and the clatter of the fair, a bullhorn blasted its highest pitch. Hurry, hurry, hurry! This way to the moon rocket! The moon rocket! See it fly! The actual type rocket used by the first men to fly it! Hills! Grills! The romance of space! You can ride in it for only $25! Hurry, hurry, hurry! <coughs> Henry? Yes, sir? Henry, I'm getting out. But the board meeting, sir, you're due in Kansas City at four. Do you think I need another five-dollar gold piece? Oh, no, sir. Are you trying to tell me what to do? Uh, no, sir. Of course not, sir. Ah, then get this confounded buffalo robe off my legs. Yes, sir. Ah, get it off. I'm on. Uh, uh, just a minute, sir. I'll help you. Oh, let go of me. Of, of course, sir. Uh, uh, watch your head on the door, sir. Oh, let go of me. I'm sorry, sir. <sighs> That's the ship. Rotten old tub. Single jet type. Fractional midriff controls. Stay here, Henry. I'm going over. The moon rocket. 50 cents to come aboard. Flight leaving in 30 minutes. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hey, Charlie. Have you got that feed tube patched? I welded it. Good for maybe an hour. Now oh, what a crowd. They wouldn't risk a nickel to see the sun blow up. Oh, uh, Captain? <coughs> Excuse me, Captain. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, yes, sir. Uh, Fifty cents to inspect the rocket. One? Uh, could you take a passenger this trip? You, you mean you want to go up? It's 25 bucks. That's right. Oh, yes, sir. Well, right away. Uh, Charlie, uh, take the pitch. Oh, okay. Uh, step this way, sir. Uh, look out. Look out for the feed lines there. Ah, uh, yes, I, I see them. Uh, step right into the office. Uh, hey, Doc. A passenger for a checkup. Okay, Mac. Is this really necessary? Regulations. Um, take off your coat, open your shirt, roll up your right sleeve. How are things, Mac? Flo, we're not drawing as much as the cooch tent. Ah, it'll pick up tonight with the trotters. Uh, I'm ready, doctor. All right, give me your arm. All right, breathe in. And out. Breathe. 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 Uh-oh, sorry, Mac. No go, Doc? Cardiac condition. I couldn't certify, I'm sorry. You mean you... You won't take me up. Uh, he's the doc. I couldn't even guarantee you'd live through the takeoff. It's not only your bad heart, but with the heavy acceleration, your whole circulatory system would be in danger. And at your age, bones are brittle, highly calcified. You can snap one on the takeoff. Huh. Tough. Well, I, I must say I rather expected it. I'm sorry. Between you and me, we could have used the 25. Oh, uh, excuse me, Captain. Yeah? 
could you and your engineer have dinner with me after your flight? Dinner? Yes, at my home. Uh, my car is over there. Wait, that's your car? Yes. You're serious, Mac. You want Charlie and me for dinner? Why, yes. <laughs> okay, okay, well, uh, I don't see why not. Uh, thanks. Uh, Charlie? Charlie, you've had enough. Ah, uh, lay off, Mac. Oh, that's perfectly all right, Captain McIntyre. Uh, cigar? Oh, thanks. Hmm. Uh, light, yeah? Oh, yes, thanks. Hmm. You know, it's hard for me to see why any holder of a master's ticket would uh, quit the Earth-Moon run. I didn't like it. <laughs> Don't handle that. It was the G. It was Rule G washed you out. All right. All right, so I took a few drinks. I could have squared that. Too many regulations, red tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so would it help you uh, to get back to the moon? Well, sure. I could get a short-haul job hopping ore. If I kept my nose clean, I might even get back on the run. Captain, would you uh, be open to a business proposition? Well, what is it? Do you own your own rocket? Uh, barring a couple of liens against it. Well, then I want to charter her, to take me to the moon. What? <laughs> Did you hear what he said, Mac? He wants us to fly that old heap to the moon. <laughs> oh, no. No, I can't do it. The old boat's worn out. We don't even use standard fuel, just gasoline and liquid air. Well, wh why don't you charter a regular company ship? Oh, no, no. No, I can't do that. The company charter comes up before a congressional committee this year. They have to follow the regulations. Why don't you bribe a couple of company medics? It's been done before. I know. But not for me. I'm D.D. D. Harriman. Uh, Harriman? Why, why, you own the company. I own a large percentage of the company. But the other directors won't permit me to jeopardize the franchise. Can you tie that, Mac? A guy with half the money in the world, and he's up a creek. <laughs> Shut up, Charlie. No, he's right. So well, Captain? It's against the law. I'd make it worth your while. Sure he would, Mac D.D. Harriman. He'd make it worth our while. Mac, Luna City. Well, why do you want to go to the moon so bad, Mr. Harriman? It's the one thing I've really wanted to do all my life. I, I may be 50 years older than you are. When I was a kid, nobody believed we'd really reach the moon. You've seen rockets all your lives. But when I was a boy, they laughed at the idea. But I believed. I wanted the moon then. I used to stand in the backyard and stare at it. How far away is it, Mom? <laughs> the moon? Far enough. Why don't people fly to the moon? Because they can't. Why not? They just can't. Not now, anyway. 
Someday, I will. What? Fly to the moon. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, come on, Dell. Inside. It's way past your bedtime. I wanted to go to college. Engineering. Then the University of Chicago. Then Yerkes Observatory. That's what I wanted. But I didn't get it. You see, Dell, Dad and I wanted you to go to college. We planned it. We saved for it. But with your dad gone and the girls growing up, I just can't manage it. The insurance won't cover us, and it's getting harder to make ends meet. You've been a good boy, Dell, and worked hard to make out. You'll understand. I understood. And I worked. Stock boy at the old Ford plant in Detroit. Credit manager for a mail-order house, then New York and Wall Street, and then transportation. That monorail line between New York and Chicago. The Atlantic Pressure Tunnel. And then Harriman Rockets. Dell? Dell, I want to talk to you. I'm working, Charlotte. You'll talk to me now, Dell. Or you may not get another chance. Oh, what is it? Fred Lott was in. You've sold out again. I run the business, Charlotte. Dell, I'm fed up. I'm up to here. I'm fed up with this. I married you because I love you. I still love you, but I'm fed up. Oh, now what is it, Charlotte? We're not young anymore, Dell. I'm tired. I'm not asking for millions. Just a little life for the two of us. I'll pull the money out. Yes, I know you will. Twenty hours a day on Benzedrine to stay awake. And he'll barbital to sleep. Oh, Dell, I can't stop you from doing this to yourself. But I won't let you do it to me. I didn't know about the divorce for a month. <laughs> I lost the papers under a stack of blueprints and stock prospectuses. Here's the news flash, Dell. Strato Rocket reaches Paris. We've got the franchise lined up. The House Committee is solid and the Federal Rocket Commission is okay. Well, the next step is the moon, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Hey, sure, sure. Now, look, Dell, if we cut the freight trade on this tunnel, we could... I'm serious, Fred. The next step is the moon. Oh, Dell. Dell, you've been writing that joke for years. It's no joke, Fred. I've signed a $4 million research contract with National Fission Corporation and guaranteed the next two years' output of the Brookhaven Atomic Energy Institute. Well, Dell, you, you couldn't. I mean, that's every liquid asset we have. You can't do that on your own initiative. I have. And the board will back me up. Fred, we're going to the moon. <laughs> it took... Two fraudulent bankruptcies and an investigation by the Securities and Exchange Commission before we did it. There were three injunctions on the rocket before it blasted off. <laughs> I was going on the second trip, but my considerate board served a court order on me. You can't go, Dell. Uh, Fred, I'll break you. Dell, Dell, a... you've got a bad heart, and that's no secret. 
you know, if you die out there, this whole card house comes down. We've got an equity in this corporation, and we're going to see it protected. So you've sucked us in on this wild scheme, and now that it's paid off, you're going to sit right down here on Earth and see that the dividends come out on time. You're not going to the moon, Dale. Forget it. I never went. By the time my lawyers shook off the restraining orders, the first cargo rocket had crashed into the Pacific, and Congress had rushed through the Space Precautionary Act. My heart was earthbound, and now I'm old. But I will not die until I have set foot on, on the moon. There, Captain McIntyre, you ask why I want to go to the moon? <laughs> well, you find a ship, Mr. Harriman. I'll drive her. You'll get to the moon. <laughs> heard me sell out my holdings. I want every share I own realized in cash as soon as possible. But it'll depress the market, sir. You won't realize the full value of your holdings. Don't you think I know that? I was juggling stock before you were born. I can afford to take the loss. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, Mr. Harriman, there are two men outside. Ah, who are they? They, um... Captain McIntyre and a Mr. Schwartz. Oh, well, send them in. <laughs> Henry, what are you waiting for? Uh, yes, sir, of course, sir. Immediately, sir. Uh, this way, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Harriman? Ah, well, Captain McIntyre, I'm glad to see you again. And Mr. Schwartz, come in. Come right in. You weren't kidding about that job for us, were you? Certainly not. <laughs> You're not backing out on me, are you? No, no. We, uh, we need the job. Yeah, our ship is lying in the middle of the Osage River. We're just split open like a herring. Oh, uh, you weren't hurt, were you? Sprains and bruises, that's all. We jumped. I got a catfish with my bare teeth. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> well, then we can get down to business. I, I, I have contracts drawn up for you. You two will have to buy me a ship. I, I can't do it openly. My dear board of directors will find out and slap a court order on me. Uh, but uh, we can't get credit. Oh, don't worry. I'll supply the cash in advance. Pick some ship that can be fitted for the jump, uh, a strata yacht. Uh, move it to a piece of desert. I'll I'll find a strip and buy it. You mean fit her out there? Yes, yes. We'll install extra fuel tanks, change the injectors and timers for space flight. Spend all the money you want. I'll see that you get it. <laughs> One hundred thirty-two shares of Apex holding at sixty percent of par. Check. Fifty-two preferred of Spaceways Fuel, fifty percent of par. <laughs> Check. And um, and that is the list. Um, Mr. Harriman, there's a process server outside. Uh, what is it? I don't know, sir, but I think it's a subpoena. 
I was expecting that. Henry, get Mr. Cammons on the phone. Yes, sir. I think it's time for my lawyer. May it please your honor, counsel representing Mr. Harriman's relatives contend that his behavior for the past few weeks gives clear indication that a mind brilliant in the world of finance has become senile. They petition you to declare him incompetent and to assign a conservator to protect his financial interests and those of his heirs. May I suggest that in his last few words, my opponent gave away his entire thesis. It is evident that the petitioners believe that my client should conduct his affairs in such a way as to ensure that his nephew, nieces, and their issue will be supported in unearned luxury the rest of their lives. Like vultures, they descend on him. Now, okay, while it's true that he has sold his holdings, is it strange that an elderly man should wish to retire? And we pray this court will confirm my client in his right to do what he likes with his own. Deny this petition and send those meddlers about their business. Well, Cammons. He reserved his judgment till tomorrow. Which way is the cat going to jump? Oh, Judge Embry is a strange one, Dell. He assured me he has a high regard for personal liberty and then added that any action he took would be in your interest. But he did say that men do become senile and must be protected. Senile? <laughs> then he might rule against me. Yes, Dell, he might. Eccentric millionaire disappears. <laughs> Are you eccentric, Mr. Harriman? <laughs> well, they used to call me crazy. <laughs> but it, it depends on your credit rating. <laughs> A bench warrant under contempt proceedings has been issued. Oh, they won't find me out here. <laughs> so how's <coughs> the work going, Charlie? Oh, Mine's in pretty good shape. We finished the second pressure test on the new tanks and fuel lines today. Ground tests are all done, except the calibrations. Uh, take about four hours unless I run into bugs. But how about supplies? Uh, food and water on board, three vacuum suits, a spare, and service kits. I'm short navigation equipment, but give me a sextant and I'll get you down on the moon at any spot you name. Just from a general knowledge of relative speeds and orbits. Yeah, all right, Columbus. We know you can hit the floor with your hat. Are you ready to go, then? My, my nephews will have detectives out looking for me. Well, I could run those calibrations tests tonight. Take till midnight. After that, it's up to the Commodore here. Uh, there. There she is, Mr. Harriman. That's the job that'll take you to the moon. Ah... It's it's a good ship. I Oh. Hey, Max, stop the car. Say, Charlie, Charlie, he's out. Look at him. Where's his medicine? 
Vest pocket. Break the glass. All right. Hold it under his nose. Oh, he looks lousy. There. There. He, he's breathing easy. He'll come around soon. Mac, we ain't going through with this. Oh, why not? It's murder. He'll never stand up to the initial acceleration. Maybe not. But it's what he wants to do. Get that ship ready to fly. Any other people are there out here on this desert? What can I do for you? You, uh, James McIntyre. Huh. Hey, Mac! Yeah? What's the matter, Charlie? Oh. You, McIntyre? Yeah? I'm the deputy federal marshal in this district. Got a warrant here for your arrest. Well, what charge? Uh... Conspiracy to violate the Space Caution Ganaria Act. Uh, you, you know, and you, I suppose you're, uh, let's see, Char Charles Schwartz, huh? Yeah? Yeah, well, I got one for you, too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and a man named, uh, Harriman. Yep, got a court order here to put seals on your spaceship. We haven't got any spaceship. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? You kidding me? <laughs> oh, uh, what's that? A kitty car? <laughs> a strato yacht. No? Yeah? Well, now I'll put seals on it until a spaceship shows up. Now come on, where's Harriman? Uh, in the shed, over there. In the... Oh, come on, what, what shed are you talking... My knuckles! Oh, that's the one I broke playing football. I'm always hurting that finger. Charlie, we gotta hurry. Get Pop into the cabin and strap him into his hammock. Right. So long, deputy. Oh, my knuckle! She's warm, Charlie. Everything set back there? How do I know? I didn't have time to run the tests. Tough. You all right, Mr. Harriman? I think so. <clears throat> but these straps aren't tight. Well, they have to be when we blast off. All set, Charlie. Give me control. Check. Test keys. One bank. Check. Two bank. There's an auxiliary out. Uh, we don't need it. All right, boy. Hang on. Let's go. How are you, Pop? I'm doing fine. Oh, couldn't be better. You better stay in your hammock. I'll loosen the straps a little. Oh, ah. What is it? Oh, nothing. Just go easy on that side. Pop, you ain't fooling me none. You got a couple of busted ribs. Well, 
There isn't much I can do until we ground. You take a neobarbital and, and I'll wake you when we cut jets. No, I, I'll stay awake. Okay, just as you say, Pop. She's on automatic, Charlie. How are the tubes holding up? Fine. Tight as a drum. She handles nice. How's Pop? Alive, but he's in bad shape. How bad? Cracked a couple of ribs in the takeoff. Well, you better set it down awful easy if you want him alive. I'll make a full swing around the moon and ease her in on an approach curve. It'll go fine. If we've got enough fuel... Something wrong, Pop? I thought somebody was calling me. I must have been asleep. I, uh, I swung your hammock around. We're breaking now. There she is ahead. Oh, the moon. I've seen it a thousand photographs. Oh, there. That's Copernicus. And, and Tycho. And the new... Never mind's dome. You know it all right, Pop. Ah, where, where are you landing? Uh, Mare Embryum, between Aristillus and Archimedes. That's about 40 miles from Luna City, isn't it? Sure, sure. It won't be easy landing without ground approach radar, will it? I've done it before. Not without a second pilot to punch the statometer. <laughs> <laughs> Pop. You ought to have a mate's ticket. You know the whole routine. You must have really studied up. Yes, that's all I could do. Study. <laughs> Till now. Oh, look at her. The moon. I feel as if I were coming home. Yeah. Charlie? Yo. I'm taking her in. Cut in full power. Make it good, Mac. Pup can't take a rough one. Shut up and give me the power. I'll do my best. Okay. Statometer setting punched. Hang on. Here we go. Lousy landing, Mac. Uh, statometer drift. How's our passenger? Uh, quiet, quiet. I'll look. I wouldn't make any bets. That landing stunk. Will you shut up? I did my best. Hey, Pop? He's alive. There's blood in his mouth. He's, he's trying to say something. It's all right. All right, take it easy, Pop. We're down. Where, where are they? Take it easy. Vacuum suits. Where are they? Well, now, steady, Pop, steady. You can't go out there yet. We've got to give you some first aid. Oh, give me the suit. What do you think, Mac? Oh, might as well get his suit out of the locker. 
Use the big one. He'll be more comfortable. Okay, Pop. Easy now. Hurry! Hurry! Let's seal these zippers, Charlie. All right. Now, now take it easy. All right, the helmet. Air diaphragm set? Check. Air valve? Set. All right, lift it on him. Don't hit him. There. All right. Come on, Charlie. Let's get into our suits and, and we'll carry him out of the lock. Easy. Easy with him. Okay. Okay. You all right, Pop? Outside. Take me outside. His left leg is gone. Get your shoulder under him. Right. Open the lock. All right, Pop. Come on. We're going out on the moon. out here to look around while we get ready for the hike to town. You all right? The moon. We have to break out the air bottles and rig a stretcher. It's 40 miles into the dome. Charlie, have something behind his head. Okay. There. Comfortable, Bob? We'll be back soon. dust. And there's the earth overhead. The earth in the sky. Green, blue. <laughs> I'm on the moon. Belle? Belle? Charlotte? I thought somebody called my name. I'm getting old. My mind wanders. Belle? Charlotte? That's you, isn't it? I, I made it, Charlotte. Charlotte, I'm on the moon. You didn't understand. You were afraid I wouldn't take care of myself. But I made it. Come on, Charlie. We better get Pop going. Here, give me a hand getting him on the stretcher. Uh, never mind the stretcher, Mac. What's the matter? He won't need it. He's dead. Oh. Well, we better get out on the pumice skis and the air bottles. It's a long walk to town. Yeah. What about him? Looks as if he's resting, doesn't he? Propped up? Looking out on the pumice? Well, he got to the moon. Come on, let's start walking.
you've just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension X. X. Imagine a planet somewhere in the universe where night comes only once in a thousand years. The friendly darkness night brings to our own world on this far-off planet is a thing of terror, a breeder of panic and evil. Be with us next week as we bring you Isaac Asimov's Nightfall. Dimension X is presented transcribed each week by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of the magazine Astounding Science Fiction. Today, Dimension X has presented Requiem, written for radio by Ernest Knoy, from the story by Robert Heinlein. Featured in the cast were Rod Hendrickson as Harriman, Bill Quinn as McIntyre, and Owen Jordan as Charlie. Once again, Project Audion has time-traveled back to the past and the golden age of radio. Thank you for coming along with us. Tell your friends and share our Facebook and YouTube pages. If you have an interest in or questions about Project Audion, write projectaudion at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. There are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families. One is simply to clean your hands often. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody. <laughs>